the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and well, powerful spells. She's actually sitting in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Twenty years ago, three young friends realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world, following magic and spirit. Now, they're back in their hometown to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. Hello and welcome, witches. This is That Witch Life Podcast. My name is Courtney, and I am your host today, and I am joined by Hillary. Hello. And Kanani. Hello. And just a note, we are recording this on May 31st. This will be released on June 8th. And there is a lot going on in our country right now and, and frankly, around the world. So by the time we release this, there may have been a lot of things that have happened. So if we are not mentioning something that is on a lot of people's minds, it says has happened, you know, in the days prior to our releasing this, that's because it hasn't happened yet. So we are uh, still very much um, being mindful of um, the challenges that our country is facing right now, specifically the, uh, the challenges and the pains being suffered by um, the black community. And um, we just want to say that that is, is still with us. So um, I just ate a very large bag of chocolate covered almonds. And so I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm also arguing with my cat who wants to sit where I am sitting, and that's not going very well at all. Uh, how are you two doing? Well, um, I just ate a blueberry muffin and am drinking a lemon, ginger, cayenne, apple cider vinegar drink. <laughs> so, Kanani, you've been crafting, like, you crafted, I think, through our last episode, which is probably why you were so quiet and agreeable for most of the time. So... <laughs> I mean, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> during our episode, <laughs> I would never. You would, and I'm not crafting right now either. Uh huh. I'm hearing clipping though. What are you doing? Crafting. <laughs> you totally are. You know what you remind me of? You remind me of that ste- that scene in Steel Magnolias where they said to Weezer that you know you'd be a much. God, she's I like, love Weezer. I am, she's like, I am pleasant. God damn it, I'm pleasant. <laughs> God, I love Weezer. She's the <laughs> She and I would be total besties. <laughs> you and I are besties. So are you saying that I am the Shirley MacLaine character in uh in That sounds about right. Magnolias. Yeah. That sounds about right. Because well, I'm, I'm definitely more of the I gladly be Weezer. I am definitely more of the Clary. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll take that. I'm always up in people's faces when you're in the back loud, like, oh, sit down and shut up. My God. <laughs> no, I told my husband. Um, so I've, I mean, I've always, I've always been a crafter. It's always been something I've enjoyed and, and that I've done. And um, I, I have, I mean, to be fair, I've been collecting craft stuff for 20 plus years, but um, so I have thousands of dollars worth of craft supplies. And I've been excited in that when I go and look at tutorials for some things that I like, that I have damn near all the tools that they're using. So, and I've been kind of out of the game for probably 
most of the time that my children have been alive because I've been raising them instead. And so I actually found something I didn't have, which was horrifying. But I did ensure my husband that I have already purchased it. So my poor husband is just rocking back and forth in the corner, just at just the sheer immensity of not only what I have, but now all of the things on my wish list. Because, yeah, this is my therapy. I don't tell people because people are icky. So instead, I just make pretty things. He's like, oh, God, why? (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, listeners, I am not doing a Sky Report for this episode. And the reason for it is we have Lisa Jade coming on at the second part of the episode, who's going to be talking with us all about the retrogrades. Because this month of June, there's a whole mess of them. Right now, as it turns out, my husband noticed this morning, we are steep into a Venus retrograde, which is can be kind of uh, unfun. Uh, one of the things about retrogrades is when it's when the planets up in the sky get a little shifty. And the truth is, it's mostly an optical illusion. The one we're most familiar with is Mercury in retrograde. And many witches believe, and I am one of them, that retrogrades affect our magic. Now, a lot of witches, especially if you've been on social media in the past 10 years, tend to freak out a little bit around the retrogrades and all the memes start going and talking about you know, what to do and what you shouldn't do during these different retrogrades. But Lisa Jade is an astrologer and is going to tell us that they're actually very, very helpful. So because of that, I am not going to go into my big spiel because um, she's going to help us with that. So instead, I asked Hillary to talk about an herbal recommendation as you listeners, you may remember, Hillary has been very deep into uh, growing her magical herbs over this year. And so I think you were going to talk to us about mugwort. Yes. Yes. I, that's very true. Um, I, so I have been, um, really focusing on actually planting and growing a lot of magical herbs. Um, I'm all, I've always used herbs a lot in my magic, pra- magical practice, but I felt like, um, you know, I feel very grateful to have an outdoor space here at my house. And so I've really spent this year kind of focusing on and starting to map out, um, what I want my garden to a look like, but also what, uh, what it can grow and how that can be of use. Um, so I actually, I mean, I know we've talked about lemon balm before. Uh, we've definitely talked about lavender. We've talked about rosemary. Um, and I am, uh, I was actually just talking to a nursery, uh, earlier this week about, um, uh, about mugwort starts, um, uh, for, for those of you that know, I'm sure everyone knows what a start is, but growing things from seeds can, is time consuming and also is not, is hard, hard. Sometimes it's hard to get them to, um, to thrive. So I, I find with, uh, with some plants, sometimes I have the time and desire to, to tend to little seedlings. And I love that. But, um, sometimes when I'm just trying to get things done and, and get things going, I'll get a start and that supports local nurseries as well. Um, so I'm going to be planting some mugwort, uh, similar to many of the other herbs that we use. Um, it is, it can be invasive, not, uh, or sorry, it can be, can overwhelm your garden. So you, you want to make sure that whatever you're growing it in, um, you have like kind of a contained area. Uh, they can grow pretty tall, I think up to five feet. Um, and, but they're pretty, they're generally pretty easy to, it's generally a pretty easy plant to grow, but you just want to make sure that you, um, you know, you don't let it just go wild in your yard or you're, you'll end up in a mugwort jungle. So, so uh, yeah. What do you use mugwort for magically speaking? So for mugwort, um, 
there's, there's a couple uses, but, uh, two, two of the kind of most common uses there's, uh, one for getting, uh, for dreaming or helping to, uh, enhance lucid or psychic or, um, you know, premonitory dreams. Um, so you can get a lot, a lot of times people will, um, steep it. You can infuse, uh, infuse it in honey, um, and kind of use that as, you know, before you go to bed or as a way to kind of get enhanced divination. Um, as with any herb edible, uh, this can actually be uh, dangerous for pregnant women. So if you're pregnant, uh, definitely don't mess around. And for anyone ingesting any herb, I always recommend, you know, um, making sure, checking with your doctor if you have any questions about whether it might affect a health condition you may have. Um, other ways you can uh, use it for sleeping that doesn't involve ingesting, uh, you can put it uh, in a sachet or in a little um, in a little pouch underneath your pillow. Uh, that can also help, uh, invite, uh, kind of lucid or prophetic dreams, but, um, and, and it can also protect you in those dreams and, um, in your sleep, uh, and help kind of protect you during your sleep. Um, and then it's also protective. So, um, uh, you can use it, uh, in a, you can steep it and use it in a floor wash. You can, um, hang it over your door to, as a protective method. Um, you can add it to incense and use it as incense as well. Um, and with the wash as well, uh, uh, you can also with that wash, use it to kind of, um, you know, consecrate or clear or, um, kind of empower your magical tools as well. So it's a, it's kind of a great herb and it's pretty easy to grow. You know, I mean, some, I love using basil and magic, but I also literally can't keep a fucking basil plant alive. So, so um, I like my work, love work because it's just a little bit easier maintenance. Um, and it just has so many, uh, so many types of uses. Um, and it, and I really love, um, I've used it for dreaming before. Um, and I also, I also really do find it, um, super helpful in a, uh, in a protective manner. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's a good all purpose, kind of herb, kind of like, you know, salt is a great all purpose. Yes. That's something you're consecrated. Mugwort is good. I feel like it also just, um, you know, offers some general psychic awareness. So, but I psychic opening, it's, it's, um, highly tied with it's, it's been tied with witches for a very, very long time. So there's just a a lot of, of magic in the herb. So yeah. Where did you, um, where can somebody get starts for mugwort? Where, where, Where did you say where you got yours? I would just say, you know, Google local nurseries, um, I think you can find it a lot too in places that tend to be, um, sometimes you can find it in apothecaries or like herb stores. Sometimes they'll sell small starts for either medicinal or magical herbs. So, um, you can check there also. Excellent. Well, that's a, that's a good one. I feel like I could probably use more mugwort. I know. In in my life. Yeah. I just kind of ignored that herb for a long time. Uh, one other, sorry, one other thing to add, I think you can use it in, um, in bath, uh, magic as well. Um, I always suggest putting stuff in a, like a little cheesecloth so it doesn't clog your drain and, you know, cause you a bigger plumbing problem. Um, but, uh, it can be good in, in a, in a bath as well. Excellent. Well, before I bring our guests in, uh, we're going to move into another very popular segment that we periodically do on the show, which is called Kanani reviews a movie. The rest of the world has already seen. And today, Kanani is reviewing Labyrinth. Yeah. Tell us all about Labyrinth. First of all, (laughs) 
I was not given the proper disclaimer that it's a fucking musical. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be more specific in what I will and will not watch. (laughs) No slapstick, no, no blood and gore, no musicals. I almost walked out of the movie La La Land for everyone who saw that when I was in, and I was in the theater. I legit paid too much money to even be there. And it was during the starting scene where they're all dancing and I was just sitting there and I was like, maybe this is, this is just an ad. Right. And I just kept waiting for it to be over. Cause I thought it was another ad before the movie started. And then I realized that that was the movie and that's what was going to be happening for the next two hours. And I, <laughs> everything in me not to just run screaming from the building. But then you really loved it. I actually did like it. I actually did. Oh, okay. I did like it. I still hate the beginning. I just fast forward through. I've watched it, I think, once or twice since then. I just fast forward through the beginning because it makes me ill. But um, I did actually end up liking that movie. So I was like really hoping that we didn't have to kick you off of this show. Yeah, no. Um, (laughs) So wait, are we talking about La La Land or Labyrinth? We're talking. She was talking about Labyrinth. You were talking about La La Land. Talk about Labyrinth. (sighs) So it. I mean, it's definitely 1986. It shows what you can do when you get $12 to pay for the filming of a movie. (laughs) Um, The movie is about a girl. And I think I got this right. There are parts where I just kind of blanked out because it was long. It's about a girl who I believe this was supposed to have been based on a fairy tale. Does that sound right? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Just so keep it was yourself into a hole. Go ahead. Well, it was like based on a, she was dreaming based on a, or had an experience based on like a fairy tale story about the goblin King. And she didn't want to babysit her baby brother. And so she said, whatever the chant was that would cause the goblins to come and take her baby brother. And then she had to go on this journey to the goblin King's castle to try and retrieve her baby brother. And, uh, yeah, it was long, <laughs> cost about $12 to make. Oh, no. oh, stop. There was singing. <laughs> there were characters. <laughs> David Bowie wore really tight pants, which is not uncommon. Oops. Pretty sure they could have fit my six year old. Oh my God. <laughs> I will never watch that movie again. And I know some people are going to hate me right now. And I'm okay with that because that's fine. That's my life. But I would never watch that movie again. And I tried to decide if I would watch it with my kids because it's definitely more a, a them like demographic. And I'm, I don't know. I might. I just, I, if I never sat through it again, I'd be really okay with that. Oh, Kanani, you just make us so sad. The, the, only, the only thing that I did find really interesting, and I don't know if you guys have watched it recently, so you might have clued into this, but in the beginning, the little creepy guy, Hoggle, she multiple times um, mispronounces his name and calls him Hogwart. <gasps> and it made me wonder if that's where J.K. Rowling's got the idea for the name for the school. Maybe. It's a good question. Because that came before yeah. that. So I thought that was interesting. Because, I mean, when have you ever heard that word before? You know what I mean? 
It's true. I mean, whether she, whether she meant to or not, it could have been in her consciousness. I just, here's my only challenge with Labyrinth. There's one part of this movie that I always shakes me out of it. It's the thing you, you can tell me. No, no, stop talking. I have to say something. I know you. Is that, <laughs> is that I do not know anyone who would, would be like, screw you, Goblin King. I'm going to go back to my pissy pants, whiny little brother, and I'm not going to stay in this beautiful place where you love me. I'm like, no, all of us would have traded. I'd be like, I love my sister. I would have totally given her up to stay for eternity with the Goblin King and worn the pretty dress. I know Hillary's in my camp. I mean, yeah. It's like, who would sacrifice a family member to live in that reality forever? I know. I just looked at it and I was like, mm. yeah, no, that's funny. When David Bowie passed away, one of my coveners said, my brother knows it. I would have totally traded him to go live with the <laughs> Goblin King. And her brother said, yeah, no offense taken. I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, um, first of all, that was yet another part of the movie that was exceptionally creepy. He's a thousand years old and she's 12. Ew. Hello, Twilight. Ew. Twilight. Twilight. People love yeah. it. Ew. It's fairy tale. And also, I wonder if this is also why Requiem for a Dream was so very disturbing because it was Jennifer Connelly and everybody remembers her from Labyrinth. And then they go and see her in Requiem for a Dream. And it's like, okay, my childhood just got completely remembered. Okay, yeah. So, okay, well, we've got further confirmation. Kanani is dead inside. I know, I got excited for for a second because when my very tired brain spaced out when you started talking about La La Land and I was like literally seeing images of Labyrinth in my head, like I was like, oh, that's nice. And I was like, oh, God, we're on a podcast. You know, (laughs) And that's how I felt watching the movie. I, it was on my list, though, my own personal, like, to-do list of movies I want to see. The next one that people are going to be furious that I haven't watched, and I'm going to be pissed if I don't like it, is Dark Crystal. Okay. All right. Because you're, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you don't. I'm going to be Meanwhile, pissed if I don't we, like it. We need to start rolling on because we've got to get our guest on here. But, yeah, for audience members, if anybody has any suggestions of witchcraft movies Kanani should have seen already but hasn't, Send them our way, although there is a possibility she's going to shit all over your childhood favorite. So you have been warned. Well, our guest today is Lisa Jade, who is an author, witch, and astrologer with holistic healing focus in community service and witchcraft. Lisa has written as a contributing author in The New Aradia, A Witch's Handbook to Magical Resistance, Intuitive Witchcraft by Estrella Taylor. Lisa also blogs on Patheos and on Living the Liminal Modern Witchcraft Musings. Her vision is weaving together magic in daily life. She is a fourth degree initiate in the Temple of Witchcraft tradition and an NCGR PAAI natal astrologer with training and mentorship through the Halifax Astrology School. A longtime advocate for women's health and inclusive witchcraft, Lisa is an active volunteer with local community, national and international groups in political advocacy, healthcare, and witch pagan organizations. Lisa lives in rural Nova Scotia, Canada. Lisa, thank you to thank you for joining us on that Witch Life podcast. Um, I think it's fair to tell you about something that's going on, um, and that Kanani just reviewed Labyrinth. And apparently you are a fan of the movie Labyrinth and Kanani just shat all over it. And we're probably going to have a lot of people call for boycott. So I'm giving you the option if you actually want to continue being with us on the podcast today. I understand if you do not. I will still continue, but uh, I'm, I'm probably going to judge Kanani a little harsher now. <laughs> <laughs> you should. It was, it, it was, it was filmed in 1986. That's what I have to say about that movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it was awesome. Then, and it is awesome now. Yeah, it's still great. There are some things that just never go out of fashion. <laughs> but we just said that this is just further proof that Kanani literally has no soul. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I say it all the time. Believe me, people. Well, yeah, we, uh, we believe you now, that's for sure. So, um, anyway, Lisa, it is really great to have you on the show. As I said at the beginning, I did not bother with giving a magical forecast for the month of June because we have a lot of retrogrades going on. We thought you could help us with that. Before we get into it, I want to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, which is how did you know that you were a witch? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I guess I, I want to start with, I guess, what I define as being a witch. Um, And I have a pretty broad and loose definition, um, which works really nicely for me. Uh, And I I try to define a witch as somebody who recognizes their personal power and sovereignty and chooses to work magic however they see fit to better themselves and the world. And so that's where I sort of sit with how 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 I would define being a witch. And I didn't know I was a witch when I first started paganism. I was probably pagan for about 20 years. Uh, and it was only about 10 years ago that I really started to to wear the label of being a witch. Um, and it was probably when I was first met with judgment and fear from others that I knew I was a witch. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. And. I mean, I want, I say that because as it turns out, when a black woman recognizes that she has magic within, others name it as witchcraft. And I was like, you know what? I am a witch and I'm going to claim it and I am going to work with it and just own who I am. Yes. I love it. And so how long ago was that? Do you say that you really just embraced the label? Uh, probably about 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like you've been in the witchcraft community for a really long time. And I was actually surprised when you told me you were getting your your first book published. I was like, I feel like you've already got a line of them out there. Um, I don't. I write a lot, but (laughs) But thank you for thinking I had books out. (laughs) No. Well, and actually this was really funny. I forgot to mention this when you first came on. Um, uh, Of all the social media battles that I've been in recently, um, one of the most dramatic was um, on Lisa's page with another podcaster named Firelight, who does Inciting a Riot Pagan Podcast, um, who was uh, insistent that he could get the first interview with you about your upcoming book. And I was saying that, no, I wanted to, and it got kind of heated. And I said, all right, Fire, if you eat a whole bag of candy corn while I watch, you know, at Zoom, we have nothing else going on then I will step aside and not get in your way if you want to go ahead and interview uh, Lisa. Um, So he did. He ate a whole bag of candy corn. I did not watch. I just trust him that it happened. Um, (laughs) But I did not hold up my end of the bargain. um, You know what? I didn't see it, so I don't know that it happened. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I I probably have just a a little more time before um, it fire... uh, fire comes on to <laughs> comes into um, our place and says that, you know, I am the worst person in the whole world. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to that, but they um, can call I, me and I'll give them your address. Uh, I've, yeah. I've had, 
I've had lots of things thrown at me on Facebook recently. This is just one more. So here we go. Anyway, um, so one of the reasons that I really wanted you to come on is that you've been writing a lot of really interesting work about like, hey, which is stop fearing the retrograde. And, you know, as I was saying at the top of the episode, yeah, so I find that people are always like, the retrogrades are so scary. Oh no, what do we do? And Lisa's like, you know, you could actually, this is a great opportunity to make some really good magic. So um, I talked a little bit about what a retrograde is at the top of the episode. Um, But I would love to hear from you as you will certainly explain it better than I did. What is a retrograde? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm going to have almost an entire section of my book devoted to retrogrades. So I hope I can explain it well. Um, Basically, a retrograde is a period where in in view or from the view of the earth, the orbit of the earth or the planet is faster. And so you get that sort of feeling like just like if a train was passing you at a a faster speed, there's a disorienting moment where you can't quite tell, am I moving forward? Am I moving backwards? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is anybody moving? It's quite a jarring feeling. Nothing is actually happening. The planet's not going backwards through the sky. It's just there is this speed difference that's causing that that sort of appearance of a uh, emotion where they're not um, continuing in the same direction they have been. Um, so it's, you know, it's not like the planets have suddenly <laughs> decided to say, we're going off orbit <laughs> and we're going to go backwards. It's that they're, uh, they're moving at a speed that in relation to the earth makes it look like they're moving backwards. Um, and so when I consider what to do with that magically, I like to think about, the fact that this is about how things look and that they need more examination and that um, it's an opportunity to do things like reflecting um, and sort of analyzing our, um, our work that we've already been doing. So it's sort of that period of like uh, reflection reassessment. So I sort of think of it as like the, the RE time. Mm -hmm. So the RE time means just kind of like rest in, Rest, reassessments, reviewing. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, The (laughs) re-words. So one of the things my husband noticed this morning is that we are in a, or have been in a while, a Venus retrograde. What does that mean? And does that, yeah, what does that mean exactly? Well, so Venus retrogrades are interesting. It's probably actually one of my favorite retrogrades to work with. Um, They happen every one and a half years. They're about 40 to 44 days long. Um, And of course, Venus focuses on, you know, things like love, passion, beauty, values, food, social activities. Um, And so when it's retrograde, it's a really good opportunity to reflect on those things and reassess them in your life. Um, So one of the the magical things that I recommend people do during a a Venus retrograde, because they're not super frequent, um, is to do sort of a values reassessment. So it's just sort of like, writing out a bunch of things that you consider as important to you or that are in your life and then sort of considering how valuable they are. Are you doing things that are pursuing your goals? Are you doing things that are ultimately bringing love, passion, beauty, and joy into your life? Those sort of Venus qualities. Are you bringing those things in? And if you aren't, you have a Venus retrograde to sort that crap out. (laughs) Well, see, that's really helpful because whenever I hear a Venus retrograde, I always hear things are going to appear ugly. Relationships are going to be bad. Do not get married during a Venus retrograde. Do you find that any of that holds true? Well, I think the things that 
hold true are the ones that you put a lot of stock into. Um, so I, and I guess I've always been a bit of a skeptical witch. So I tend to consider, you know, if those things are happening in a Venus retrograde, it's perhaps because we're not doing the the reassessing of values that we should. Right. Okay. So if, a, if there's a marriage that's not going well, cause you're married during a Venus retrograde, maybe it wasn't that the Venus retrograde was the problem. <laughs> it just amplified the symptoms. See, that's so helpful because that like releases the sense of, of fear of like, I got to plan my life around retrogrades. It's not like you're poisoning yourself by doing something during a retrograde, but it does mean you're going to have to. Yes. But that requires a certain level of personal accountability that I'm not really comfortable with. <laughs> I know. I had a lot of people get mad when I told them that during a Mercury retrograde, if they had communication issues, it might not be Mercury's fault. Oh, <laughs> oh you brave woman. <laughs> oh my God, that's really funny and so true. Can, but can, I mean, if you were to consider all of the planets that are retrograde, right? So Mercury's three times a year um, for three weeks at a time, Venus is. 40 days at a time, approximately. Mars goes retrograde every two years for 60 to 80 days. Jupiter is retrograde for four months. Saturn for four and a half. Uranus for five. <laughs> Neptune for five. And Pluto is five to six. I mean, at what point are you going to do magic if you're going to say retrogrades are scary? <laughs> True. Right? So I have heard I've heard that the United States is actually undergoing a Pluto retrograde. Is that correct? Uh, well, the whole world is on. Uh, getting into a Pluto retrograde soon. Oh, um, so I'm being American-centric. Okay, yeah, of course I No, am. no, that's okay. Um, so we are in a, we are in, sorry, we're in a Pluto ret- retrograde from April 25th to October the 4th, um, and it's a, a retrograde through Capricorn. But the thing that's, like, big for the U.S. is that Pluto um, has an orbit cycle of 248 years, which is approximately when you guys would have had your revolution 248 years ago. Uh-huh. And so, right? we're- so you're at a Pluto return. So just like a Saturn return affects people, um, Pluto return, you know, the planets that are further out tend to affect things like nations. Um, and you're dealing with your Pluto return right now, which kind of sums up a lot of what's happening, right? And our Canadian brethren are look- and sistren are looking up or I'd, I'd just say our Canadian kin north of the border, <laughs> y'all just biting your nails and covering your eyes and peeking through your fingers like, ooh, that looks ugly. <laughs> I seriously feel like we're like the meth lab downstor- downstairs neighbor <laughs> in an apartment. Yeah, we sometimes get that impression. Um, you know, I have I have a lot of American friends, and so I really worry about you all sometimes and think, oh, how can I get no. everyone up here? <laughs> Because we would ruin it, and you know it. <laughs> That's so you true. know it. Well, I love how she's so Canadian. She's like, well, I didn't want to say anything, but you kind of are our meth lab downs. But I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean that really. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and it, it's tough, right? Because I mean, we have problems with racism and all of this crap up here. But the, you know, the way that it's it's being manifested in the U.S. is so scary. Yeah, you know it's really scary. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm hesitant to uh, to do any travel once the the border is open again, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see how things land after uh, November. So, could you tell us more about these retrogrades that are are coming up this month? Uh, sure. Um, 
goodness. Okay, so we're currently in a Pluto uh, retrograde. Um, so Pluto retrograde, um, you know, tends to be about death, transformation, clearing away, um, and deep changes. And so when we're in a, a retrograde with Pluto, um, you tend to look at those things a lot. Um, so it's sort of like a a big opportunity for people to kind of look at things like wills, look at oh, things okay. like what are um, what are your wishes for your legacy. Um, you know, so that may not necessarily be about you know what are you leaving to a person, but what are you leaving in the world? What um, what are you doing to um, leave the world better than you found it? That sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got until October the 4th <laughs> to kind of work okay. with that. Um, so there's lots of time to work on that. Um, Saturn is currently retrograding as well as of May the 10th. So that's just earlier this month. Mm. That's going to be retrograde until September the 28th. Um, and Saturn is retrograding through Aquarius and then back to Capricorn. And then once it's direct, it'll go back out again. Um, so the Saturn retrograde, I mean, Saturn tends to be a bit of the the disciplinarian. Um, and so there's a lot of struggle um, with understanding discipline, especially where it's retrograding through Aquarius, which is the, the, the sign of the rebel. Um, and so you're, there's a lot of this uh, energy of rebellion that's there because the planet of discipline is retrograding. And so people are reassessing what discipline actually means, um, you know, what authority means as we retrograde through uh, and into Aquarius. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I think there's is two major things that these are, are culminating that we're you know, um, feeling these things now, and they're really going to wrap up before two major events this fall, one of which is um, our election, yeah. and uh, the second of which is Kanani's 40th birthday. So <laughs> and tell me, if, when, tell me when the election is. Uh, it, November 6th or 4th? 1st okay. Tuesday of November. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Incredibly important historical events, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what advice would you give to Kanani as she's preparing to turn 40? Like, how can she make use of these retrogrades? Because she should be holding herself accountable for something. But since she's not. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds hard. Well, I mean, I think if you're approaching 40, I mean, you're, you would be um, sort of approaching your first, um, your Saturn square transit. Um, if you haven't already had it yet. And I mean, I'd have to look at your chart specifically for that. Um, but where you're approaching that, then the values of discipline are going to be strong within your own um, life as well. Um, you're also going to be hitting, let me see, you'll have another Jupiter return, like maybe not this year, but the year after. Um, and that's all about expansion and money. So 40 tends to be that time period where discipline and things about expansion and money come together. And so it tends to be a pretty important birthday in terms of sort of figuring out how you're going to get to retirement and enjoy your life. Courtney, can you work on that for me? Um, actually, no, because I am making use of the Saturn retrograde time is to really focus on creating writing time. And it's funny because I, um, I never put it together that uh, the Pluto retrograde is about thinking about end of life, but I have been working on my advanced directives, uh, kind of things kind of fell off the, 
of the uh, planning chart these last couple of uh, weeks, but um, you know it lost a number of people about a month ago, and so it was um, just made me think. Okay, you know what? I don't want my my loved ones to have any questions about what should be happening with me. So uh, here's what you should do with my corpse, and here's where who gets right. my shit, and uh, you know. <laughs> so, but magically speaking, in addition to the reflection work, what kind of spell work? would be good to do during these retrogrades? Um, well, <laughs> there's all sorts of things that are really useful right now, um, especially in terms of things like magical activism. Um, you know, this is, we're in sort of a unique astrological period where we've got these conjunctions that happen at the beginning of the year. And so we have, you know, three large planets in um in Capricorn, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto, and they're all currently retrograde. Um, and so there's a, a good opportunity there to consider um, what you want the world to look like and enact that magically. So mm. things like, for example, um, you know, if I were to, like, in, I don't think you guys have this in the U.S., but in Canada, we have medical assistance in dying as, like, a federal law. Um, so that's something that everybody in Canada can apply to, um, you know, and there's regula regulations around when you can have it and all of that kind of stuff. But if that's something that you thought was needed for your country, perhaps your petition magic can be to Pluto or to a deity of death um, and work on getting that enacted. Right. And so when I'm doing magical activism, it's like things like petitioning to spirits and then enacting the work in the real world. So could that, could that be translated as to say like the death of the old ways Right. Um, you know? Yeah, you could. You could totally do petitions um, to Pluto to um, transform what your country is looking like. Um, okay. You could, you know, so you could do things like that. You know, if you wanted to have like the death of the the current justice system to allow for something new, um, this is a perfect time to do that because you've got the 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 disciplinarian and the sign of the rebel um, working with Pluto. Um, and you can kind of work those two things together to sort of um, change requirements about what um, police training looks like, for example. Mm. Is, so the, the god Pluto, is that someone that you work with a lot? You, you keep coming back to this. Is that something that you that you utilize a lot in your magic? Well, I, I do um, because I tend to work um, with the planets as um, spiritual entities. Okay. I just want to know which planet is <gasps> responsible for this fuckery. Oh my god! Oh no! It's Firelight from Inciting a Riot podcast. Like, oh my god! Well, he has crashed our podcast. Hell is going on here? Um, what in the hell? Oh my um, god! I am not. Walking in to Lisa giving an interview to Courtney Hoover. <laughs> I was the first interview. And I ate 17 bags of candy corn. Do you have any idea what <laughs> like? Oh my I'm, god. 
I was going to explain everything, Fire. I was going to explain everything later, and I knew that once oh you my heard God. my reasoning, you would understand. I feel like we've been caught in bed together, Courtney. That's kind of okay with me. Because the podcaster, because the podcaster behind us, a, 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 a podcast called Inciting a Riot, is known for his kindness and understanding. <laughs> Except that you curse me to a lifetime of bad Tostinos, which I can't even eat. So I don't. That this is a very. That's a good curse. <laughs> This is, this is true. You did sell your soul to me uh, for calorie-free pizza. I just forgot to tell you that it was calorie-free Totino's. <laughs> oh, well, Fire, God. do you want to hang out and, and and help us interview Lisa since, you know, I... Oh, my gosh. I would be uh, honored and blessed to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. This is such an amazing surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well... Just to catch you up, Fire, Lisa was just talking about how she approaches the different planets and spirits, which is something is new to me and especially helpful during the retrograde. So what I love to hear from Lisa is how does one petition a planet as a spirit form or as a spirit? Um, well, I'm, I don't want to say that this is something new that I've discovered. I mean, ancient astrologers have been doing this for quite a long time. I mean, ancients looked up to the stars and philosophers uh, and astronomers would look at the stars and the planets and see them as these giant um, planetary bodies that had an impact on us. And so that carries a certain current to us. Um, and so you can work with them. I mean, when people are working with Mercury um, retrograde, I think they don't understand its impact on us necessarily. And so they don't know how to deal with it, but it's like, you can petition a planet just like you would work with a plant spirit, just like you would work with a stone spirit. So, why not do that same thing with planets? We do it with the moon all the time. Mm, that's a really good point. I guess I like, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously like I, I think we focus a lot on the moon. So I'm not like when I'm thinking of planets, I'm not like, Oh yeah, the moon, you know? So I think, I mean, the, the moon is a luminary. It's not a planet, but, sure, but, but we do the same thing. But they do the same thing. And if you could petition that or the sun for that matter, you know, it's that's like, right. so that makes, that's a, that's fast. I guess I probably wouldn't have equated that myself. So thank you for that. Oh, good. And I wrote down something, and this is from my book. So it's like not out there anywhere yet. Um, what I wanted to talk about was the Mars retrograde that's coming up. Um, so Mars doesn't go retrograde until September. So there's loads of time to plan, but its retrograde is September 9th to November the 13th. And it only retrogrades every 26 months. Um so it's not frequent and it'll, it'll last for about 60 to 80 days. Um, one of the things that's really interesting with Mars, cause it's the planet of uh, passion and energy. Um, Mars is the God of aggression and war, fire, strength, fitness. Um, so it, it retrogrades the least. It rules Aries and Scorpio. Um, and Mars retrogrades tend to be quite intense because they're always in opposition to the sun and between the earth and the sun. So it's quite close. So it amplifies it. And what I find really interesting about it is I think our world has repressed that working with aggression and passion so much mm -hmm. that when Mars retrogrades, it's like a bit of Tinder. And um, because it's so close to the sun, it kind of amplifies and flares up that aggression 
Um, and so it can either be worked for good, things like personal sovereignty, justice work, fitness, um, or for ill and internalize your anger and paranoia and create these, you know, bizarre um, things where injustices are happening. You know, it's, it's so funny because I feel like the, the energy we've had, and I know that, that Lisa, you and I have talked about this fire. You and I have talked about this. Hillary and I talk about this every fucking day. It seems like is that you've got all these people that are like, peace, peace, peace. We just want peace. La, 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 la. And I feel like that's like the old, and then all of a sudden you say, you know what? Peace isn't always good. What do you mean? You know, like you have enough rage to get mad at the fact that I said that, you know, peace isn't always the answer, but now you're angry and that's okay. I mean, it's just like so hypocritical and so fucking stupid. I think the problem that a lot of people have is that, uh, people don't realize that in order to, to, to get to a peaceful place, you're going to have to be uncomfortable for a while. Uh, you're going to have to, to do some internal work to figure out, um, uh, how you're contributing to to the disquiet, to the discomfort in the world around you. Um, you're going to have to admit some things to yourself, yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly that, that you are part of it. Um, and I, I think that a lot of people don't don't realize that that they contribute to uh, the disquiet in the world around them. Everybody likes to think that that it's it's everyone else's problem. Um, and and I I think sometimes it's it's that that internal work missing from those conversations. So it can't always be love and light. It can't always be, well, if I just put peace in the world, then that's going to be okay. You know, it, it 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 has to be more than that. It has to be analyzing what else you're putting out in the world and in what ways your peace overlooks someone else's uh, disquiet. And also when you look at relationships, a relationship that's always happy is not a relationship that I think is going very well. Um, well, that, I mean, a lot of things are stagnant when things are just completely peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've worked in women's health for more than a decade now. And, you know, we, um, you know, when people are giving birth, there is nothing peaceful about it. You know, oh, it is. Tom Cruise's <laughs> thought about quiet childbirth is not reality. <laughs> Lisa, no, I'm not- shocked. <laughs> It was not my reality for either of my births. And after working in the hospital for 10 years, I can tell you it's not most people's reality. But, you know, um, things that require change, including birth and death and all of these things within our lives, they're messy. You know, they require tension and expansion and um, friction to get to a place where something beautiful happens. Mm. Thank you, you know, for I saying was, that. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, and we've also talked about this in the past. Magic is messy too. It's yeah, messy. It certainly it's is. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, what magic are you going to be um, working on during these retrogrades for whatever you're you're willing and able to share with us, Lisa? Uh, well, um, let's see. Uh, I can tell you about um, some of the stuff that I'm doing during Mercury retrogrades because I'm writing a book. (laughs) Um, And so Mercury retrogrades are actually really great for writers and bloggers and people who communicate in any form podcasting. um, It's, you know, Mercury is also a psychopomp. So it's a really good time for mediums to do these kinds of things too. reflect on what you're doing do some editing processes, finish those um, blogs that you don't have finished. Cause I'm sure we all have like a folder of half finished blogs. <laughs> yeah. um, 
yeah, all those blogs that we don't have finished. This is really good. Mercury retrograde is really good for reviewing those. Um, you can do things like um, petition Mercury. Um, if you happen to get a hold of a Mercury dime, I think it's a little easier for you guys in the States than it is up here um, in Canada, just because we don't have Mercury on our coin. Um, but if you can get a hold of a Mercury dime, um, you can do some petitioning and do something similar like you would with like drawing down the moon um, into water during a ritual, but draw down the energy of Mercury into the coin before the retrograde starts mm. so that you can carry it as a talisman. And it kind of helps balance out the the sort of like communication um, static that can kind of happen so that you're able to kind of work in a way that's more clear um, and more direct. Mm. Out there. So tell us a little bit, and I know, sorry listeners, we've had some listeners complain when we bring authors on whose books don't come out for months, but you know what? It just yeah, seems like, oh, it's, <laughs> yeah, no, no, you, this Canadian, do not need to apologize. Um, but what, I can't uh, help it. I know, it's like a reflex for you poor little guys up there. Um, but what I was going to say is that um, we wanted to make sure we had Lisa come on sooner because we felt like with all this at these astrological transits, and especially now that we've we've had so many things happen in um in our soil down here people are trying to make sense of it these are some really wonderful tools to help find your place in all of that but um do tell us about about your upcoming book uh okay i would love to um i am writing a book called astrological witchcraft with llewellyn um it won't be out probably until early 2021 um i'm getting it into them at Samhain this year so I would say it's not going to be released until early 2021, I would assume. Um, it's going to be focused on working with the planets, um, working with your own birth chart, uh, and sort of understanding how you can use astrology as um, a tool within your witchcraft and also how it can be um a bit of a path within witchcraft and so um you know things like working with the planets as spirits um there's a whole section on um working with retrogrades um learning how to do magic that's practical because i try to do almost all of my magic as things that are also married with um the the physical world mm. um and sort of doing magic that matches that um it sort of led to the life that I have and that's working really well for me. Um, it also has a lot on um, how to understand your birth chart in a, a very no nonsense way where anybody could sort of get like a, a free copy of the birth chart online and sort of look at it. And within, you know, an hour understand a little bit more about themselves. If all they knew was their sun sign going into it, um, you know, so that they can kind of understand how, um, how the different planets are impacting them, that the sun sign might not be the biggest part of their chart, that kind of thing. Mm. Lisa, can, can I ask a quick question? Um, I, I'm somebody that despite being uh, witchy and woo woo for, for quite a long time uh, still has some issues uh, surrounding astrology, surrounding um, just, just sort of the way that we interact with astrology. So for someone like me or for, for anyone out there who wants to delve uh, deeper into understanding astrology, what, how, where do you see it inside of sort of the pantheon, so to speak, of like 
magical tools? Is it is it something to uh, you know, is it a tool of interpretation like the tarot where it can have lots of different meanings or is it is it this sort of direct here's how things are going to work? I, what, where do you recommend that people place um, astrology inside of their practice? Uh, well, I think you can place it um where you want um you know in some ways it can be very much like the tarot um you know so sort of in uh interpreting your personal chart that can be quite a diverse interpretation um whereas when you're looking at things like um sort of the like electional astrology or um astrology of uh locations or countries uh and events um those sorts of uh astrology have very sort of not quite rigid, but they have very structured meanings to them um, based on the data that's been collected. So a lot of astrology related to groups um, groups of people by age, for example, or um, events and that kind of thing, those, um, those meanings come together because of the data that's collected over them over time. So we know that Pluto returns, for example, tend to cause civil unrest because we've seen it in other countries when they've hit their Pluto return. And now we're seeing it with the U S so, you know, that kind of thing we knew was coming and astrologers have talked about it for years. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> I suppose also the, the question can be, but when terrible things happen and Pluto isn't in retrograde, then what do we blame it on? I mean, I, I guess that's, that's <laughs> you know, when, when my computer breaks down and I check and see, oh, Mercury's not in retrograde, I guess I'm just a terrible computer user today. Like, I, that, that's sort of... Fire, you might be, honey. I, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> it just might be what you have to work through. Yeah, well, and I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's sort of the interesting thing, right? Because I don't tend to look at astrology as like, what do I need? You know, what do I, what's the thing that's causing this in my life right now? Um, you know, because sometimes, you know, sometimes a cold is just a cold. Sometimes, a, you know, a computer crash is just a computer crash and it has nothing to do with the planetary motions in the sky. Um, and so I don't tend to think that the planets are exerting that like, very minute forces on our lives. Um, so when we're looking at the planets for ourselves, it's more about how do we, um, how do we work with them so that we're using a retrograde for a more reflective process? Um, because it doesn't have to mean that our communication goes to crap. It could mean that we were already having an issue with communication and we didn't sort it out before we hit a retrograde. And so it amplified it. Oh, that's a really good point. It's a really good point. And what this is making me think is that one of the one of the purposes of any spiritual path is to offer some kind of structure as we're going through what is what is and many people believe and could end up being right. And we're going through just this chaotic series of events from the day we're born to the day we we die. And but having the, this this structure, especially how you've um, illustrated it, Lisa, which I think is really, really helpful and profound, is that not to be like, oh, no, something bad happened. It's because of the retrograde. It's like, huh, look what's coming up. It's a Pluto retrograde. Do I have my advanced directives together? Have I, what, what am, is my legacy? And it provides an opportunity to put some shape yeah. and meaning to these otherwise very chaotic course of events. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a Jupiter retrograde right now and there was you know there's one of those every year um well approximately there's one every 13 months so some years there's two um but um you know when i when we hit our our last jupiter retrograde i did some budgeting magic 
super boring. Oh my God, it was so boring. <laughs> but um, it was really important. And, you know, I'm now working through getting out of debt, um, you know, which was not happening before the last Jupiter retrograde. So it was super boring magic where I had to look through bank statements, but it was something that was really useful. So what, before we uh, go to the final section of our interview, what is, what is budgeting magic? Like how do you do a budgeting <laughs> spell? Cause I need to know. <laughs> um, well, all of the details will be in my book. So I, you oh, know, I'll, <laughs> God. I'll so much hate I'm mail so, for this. I'm I, so I, excited that I, can, <laughs> I can say that. Um, I'll probably blog a little bit about it. So, um, I'll, I'll write up a sort of a mini primer on my blog. Um, okay. I don't want to put too much about astrology on there cause I want to include it in my book first. Um, but I will put something on my blog. Um, but essentially what you do is you gather every single bit of bank statement, every receipt for like the last month and you cast a circle and you sit in it and you look through all of your crap <laughs> and then you write down your flaws. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like it really so sucks. Many. I wasn't kidding. It's really oh, terrible. Um, I will find so many flaws with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did too. It's okay. You, and you write down like every single expense that you had and you put it into a category of like necessary, unnecessary, and you get really ruthless about it. And then you do the magic part of it where you're raising energy and burning the part that doesn't serve you and creating something new. I think that's what I appreciate, uh, Lisa, about you, but Courtney, also about you. I mean, I, I had you on my show about a year ago to talk about uh, reading tarot, but I appreciate anyone who uses the system as as a sideways tool, as a parallel mm -hmm. uh, option of self-reflection to say, okay, you know, I need to do some budgeting work. I need to, you know... Uh, I, I am going to use the time, uh, you know, this time to to reflect on things in my own life. I'm going to give myself some good advice, um, and and in instead of using the tool to say, "Gosh, I'm a terrible person because I've got a Leo in my fourth <laughs> house," and oh well, that's just who I am. <laughs> like, you know that that right. that's where that always drives me crazy. Like where it. It, somebody uses it as an excuse rather than a tool for self-improvement. So that's what I've always yeah. really liked about your work, Courtney, your work, um, you know, where you guys are like, no, 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 this can be a powerful tool of self-reflection, of self-innovation, of critical analysis of, of your own personal interaction with the world and whether or not... Right you know, whether or not you're buying all the way into astrology and, and say, oh gosh, I definitely firmly believe that, you know, the, the paths of the moon and the stars and the this and the that, you know, actually affects me. It's, it, it almost doesn't matter because it's still a good excuse to do some work and right. any excuse to do some work on myself because you well, know the, the journey of being a student is never over. And I think this is, I think one of the reasons Kanani has gotten so quiet is the realization she can no longer use retrogrades to excuse her terrible behavior. No, what we have learned is I'm not supposed to. <laughs> See, these are very different concepts. That's okay. I recorded uh, with Velma Nightshade this morning and we had to start it over four times and we just looked up which, what was retrograde and we decided to blame it on <laughs> Jupiter uh, because we didn't know any better. So, <laughs> wait. <laughs> We just decided that it was Jupiter retrograde's fault. So that's fine. I, I support that, Kamali. You're not, you might not supposed to blame it on retrograde, but you still can. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's the right thing to do 
had a Kanani way of doing things. There's what you want to do. What you gotta do. There's going to be a book out there that says Kanani's the Kanani tradition of witchcraft. Everything you're not supposed to do by Kanani. (laughs) I love it. So for our final part of our show and fire, you are welcome to join us on this. Um, We do a, a segment called as below, so above. And I know that's not how it's normally said. That's how we say it. Um, And we mentioned something we want to let go. We mentioned something that we want to bring in. And since we've got all these retrogrades, this seems like the perfect time to do it. I will go first. I'll be the nice person. Um, I am going to continue to let go of hand wringing in fear. I, by the way I was raised, it was that if people, if you don't make, if you say things that make people unhappy, they won't like you and you will live a miserable life. And I finally learned that a lot of people don't like me and I still live a good life. And, um, that sometimes, um, you know, calling people out, honestly, this is something that you have said to me repeatedly over the years, never apologize for calling someone out on their shit. And, um, I do have an obligation as a white person to call out white people on their shit. So I'm going to continue to do that, even if it means people don't like me. And what I am going to bring in is through the power of these retrogrades, I am going to complete enough of my novel to send to agents and see if I can actually get this thing rolling because I don't, I, I believe in it. I finally realized that I believe in the, the novel that I'm working on as something that I think people would like to read. And so moat that shit. So moat that. So moat that. I am also, well, I'm going to let go of fear in a couple of ways. Um, I think I, I, like you, Courtney, like, um, you know, we're raised that like, you know, you want people to like you, you want to present yourself in a way that people that is likable. And, um, and right now is not the time to give a fuck about if people like you. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like, so I feel like similarly, um, I want to let go of that fear of, you know, um, what if I say something that, uh, that someone I know isn't going to like, and it's funny because generally I am like, I don't care if you, if you have an opinion that I think is hurtful or, um, or, or violent or, you know, problematic, like it, I usually am pretty good about saying, okay, well cut my losses. But I think, you know, it is, I think that I do get caught up in that. Like, what if I say something that people aren't going to like, so I'm going to, uh, let go of that fear. Um, and, and also just fear of, you know, what's, what's next for me personally, but more importantly for, um, for the world and for, um, you know, everyone that is hurting and, and doesn't feel safe right now. Um, uh, and, and instead focus on, you know, how I can help support that, uh, by continuing to have difficult conversations with white people, by continuing to elevate black voices. Um, and, and then to bring in, um, I would like to bring in, um, a renewed focus on, you know, I think recently we chatted about, how to be there or how, how to be, how to be there the best we can be, or how to do the right thing. And, and I really want to bring in, I really want to bring in a focus on how to be active, what I can do now and, and stop worrying about the what ifs, but really, you know, just trying to stay in the moment and trying to bring in that sense of urgency. Um, and, 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 and to bring in that, to bring in protection for the people I love and care about. All right. So mote that shit. That. So mote that. I want to bring in, it doesn't quite seem like the right word because it's kind of more bring out, but I want to bring about 
a sense of justice and a sense of, I don't know if restitution is the right word, but a, a, a sense of a wrong being made right. And I want to put that out in the world and I want to let go of complacency because I, like everyone else, would love for everything to become peaceful again and for things to work out and and this to resolve itself. But I so fear the end because I fear that, that once the protests end, once the riots end, my fear is that as a society, we go back to complacency, which is completely unacceptable. And so I, as much as I want to feel calm, I don't want to feel calm. I, I want there to be a continued sense of, of this is important. I don't want people to become complacent, myself included. And I want to bring in justice. I want to see resolutions. I want to see actions. I want to see change. And, you know, that, that is my focus right now, both, you know, personally and and signing up for organizations and finding out more of what I can do personally, talking to my kids. Um, and you know, the magic that I'm doing is, is very focused on bringing justice and, and allowing enough chaos that people don't become complacent. So about that. So about that. So about thank that. You, thank you for saying basically like everything that I wanted to say that I could not come up with the words where I was like, oh man, that's exactly what I wanted to say. And wow, that was so much better. <laughs> uh, um, all right, Fire, why don't you, do you want to join I, us in this? I would be honored. Um, so something that I would love to to get rid of is something that I, I uh I have been working on for quite a long time. I'm a hyper perfectionist. Uh, <laughs> folks that follow social media might know I'm, I'm very, very diligent about, uh, you know, sort of the image that I put out and the things that I say I always have to be so very, very careful. And, uh, you know, everything has to be researched to the, just the nth degree. And I, I think that, um, you know, what Voltaire said of uh, the perfect being the enemy of the good um, has really hit home with me in the last couple of years. And that's work that I'm continuing to do on myself is realizing that um, the point is to put the good out. Uh, because if I'm, I'm so hyper-focused on the perfect, on uh, putting out the finished, right, perfect, packaged product, then I'm missing putting good out into the world. I'm put, I'm missing, uh, doing good for myself, for my family, um, and for, for my community at large. So, uh, something that I've, I've been really working on with myself is to just put something out, to continue to, to put some effort out there. And it's really been a very freeing experience. You know, it's, it's really opened up, you know, how I approach my podcast and, and, uh, you know, the, the kinds of freedoms that I've allowed myself to have, you know, not everything has to be so hyper-researched and, you know, I don't need to have 30 different reference points to have a topic. I, you know, I can just have chats with cool people and, um, you know, but in my personal life, uh, I, 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 kind of let go of, or trying to, <laughs> don't ask my husband, um, mm-hmm. but really tried to sort of 
let go of uh, needing to, you know, be this picture perfect uh, individual at all times um, uh, in everything. Uh, you know, I, I remember writing something last year for uh, InsidingAriot.com's blog, um, you know, that I'm, I'm here for imperfect allies. Uh, I'm here for people that want to show up and are willing to do the work. And I'm here uh, for folks that want to show up and listen and watch and be a part of, of good change, uh, whether or not every little word they've ever tweeted or every little action they've ever taken has, has been perfect for the last 57 years of their life. I'm here for people that want to try. I'm here for people that want to show up and want to do the work because if we're waiting on perfect allies, we're going to be waiting a really, really, really long time. So I'm, I'm, uh, I would like to get rid of the notion of perfection and I'm embracing the good and something that I'd like to take into myself, um, is permission to have human moments to not have to be, you know, I know that, that, uh, some of the other ladies were saying, you know, I, I don't want this feeling to go away, but, you know, as, as someone, um, you know, that has, has sort of been in the world and lived experiences where you, you do have to kind of constantly hyper, uh, analyze everything around you and the mannerisms that you express and the way that you dress and, oh gosh, you know, if I walk out of this bar, am I going to get jumped? Is, is this, is this, uh, uh, a, a place that I'm safe to be? Is this a place where my husband is safe to be? Um, it, it's okay every now and then something I'd like to take into myself is permission to be human and to unwind for a second. It's okay to take five minutes to be a person and to check out. Uh, you don't always have to be on. You don't always have to be in. You don't always have to be engaged. Go take a break, go put your own mask on so that you can then worry about putting someone else's mask on. So moat that. So moat that. Fire. And so moat that. Last word goes to Lisa. What about you? Oh my goodness. Um, you guys said so many amazing things um, that have taught me so much. Um, I guess what I want to let go of right now is that I want to let go of the breaks <laughs> that I've put on myself. Um, you know, I like to think of, um, there's this like, you know, silly meme thing that I saw and it was just like, what if you just let your magic be turned all the way on? Um and so I uh, let go of the brakes and I hit the gas full throttle um, on my writing, um, on, uh, you know, being vocal, um, you know, and I just, I turn it all the way on. So of that shit. Oh, so I love that shit. Thank you. All right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on and um, fire. So thank you. Pleasure to have you as well, Fire. Absolutely. Well, thanks for letting me crash. <laughs> Super fun. So um, fun. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. <laughs> Lisa, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, at Living the Liminal, Modern Witchcraft Musings. You can find me on Instagram at Living the Liminal. You can find me on my um, my Pathos blog, um, which is through the Agora Um also called Living the Liminal, and I have a website as well, which is pretty easy to find um, just by looking for it. 
Okay, great. Well, I will also be all in our show notes and um, fire. Let people know where they can find you and inciting a riot podcast. Yeah. Uh, you can download my show inciting a riot, uh, anywhere podcasts are downloaded or streamed, Spotify, uh, uh, Google play, Apple podcasts, all of the, all of the various things. I'm sure if you ask a nice carrier pigeon, it will bring you a, a USB <laughs> recording of my show. Um, I'm on Twitter at inciting a riot. Uh, Facebook is, you can find firelight or facebook.com slash inciting a riot podcast. And of course my blog is inciting a riot.com. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, listeners, um, don't forget to check out our Etsy shop. Now that Kanani is furloughed, she is making all kinds of crafts. And, uh, for the entire month of June, we are, um, donating 10% of our proceeds to protect the sacred, uh, grassroots organization that is supporting, uh, the Navajo nation who is under a lot of pressure right now because of COVID-19 and um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review us on your favorite podcast platform. Wash your filthy hands. And, you know, just like uh, Lisa said, let the brakes go on your magic. All right, everybody. See you next week. Bye. 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 Find us at thatwitchlife.com for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future podcast. So mode it be. By the way, Courtney, we're no longer in high school. We're no longer in high school, Courtney. I'm not getting my ass kicked for you anymore. Uh, You didn't do that back then anyway. You just rolled your eyes and walked away. So whatever. That's true.